0: Greetings, God's beloved. Thanks for tuning in to Messages of Hope, a sermon podcast from Living Hope Lutheran Church in downtown Las Vegas. Today, we're finishing up our series on the hope that is in you, the letter of 1 Peter, and reading 1 Peter chapter 5. Thanks for listening. God bless you. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew chapter 20. Glory, Glory to you, Lord. 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 Jesus called to the disciples to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. It will not be so among you, but whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be your slave, just as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. You may be seated. We have come a long way. Today's our last Sunday in this first letter of Peter. We've heard some really, really uh, amazing words from this letter. And some of those scripture readings, you'll know, they are things that are known well to us. We heard, you have been born anew into a living hope. Oh, we like that one. We heard uh, a lot of really great readings, too, in, in this letter. And now we are in the fifth chapter of this letter from Peter. So grace and peace to you from God, our Father in heaven. And our risen Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. Amen. I've been uh, reading this history of Wartburg Seminary. It's called "The Air I Breathe Is Wartburg Air." It's a wonderful, wonderful book, and it's a it's kind of a dialogue between uh, Craig Nesson and, and William Weiblen, uh, longtime uh, faces at Wartburg Seminary, the place where I was trained and prepared for ministry. Can you ever really be prepared, I I don't know, equipped in many ways is probably a better way to say that. Uh, This institution began in 1852 after a Midwest circuit rider. That is a a pastor who would go from town to town preaching. A pastor uh, wrote this letter to the church leaders in Bavaria and asking for more pastors. They needed more pastors and they went to Germany to find them and they came to these small German communities in the Midwest. By 1855, a couple of brothers named Fritschel had come from Dedeslau, Germany, in their early 20s to be teachers of theology. And they lived and worked in small towns in Iowa, and they eventually were able to build a building. They, the students lived there too, and they helped out, and they worked and studied together to build up the community. And over time, it grew. My. Clicker's having a hard time today. Sorry about that. From humble beginnings, they created a legacy that lives on today. If you ever get a trip to Dubuque, you can go and see this castle on a hill. Maybe a castle on top of a hill doesn't seem like the most humble thing. Uh, But the people there, it's about the people. It's the people that are the very definition of the word. They live and they work and they serve together. And I, after four years at Wartburg, we kind of get tired of hearing ourselves say the word community, community. I still do it, but maybe you've noticed that. But um, it's in there, it's deep, deep in there. because This tradition for caring for that, that campus and caring for one another continues every spring before the graduation happens and friends and family come to visit. The students and faculty go out And they beautify the campus. They do the work themselves, pulling weeds and planting flowers and placing mulch to beautify the property. And of course, they finish with a barbecue. When I think back to my time there, I remember my professors as caring and humble pastors that they were. Among them, Dr. Anne Fritchell, a descendant herself of those founding brothers who taught us Hebrew Bible with humor and patience. Dr. Fritchell, like so many seminary instructors, is a prolific author with 15 published works over the last two decades, passionate about service and leadership. I have fond memories of when she accompanied us on a rural uh, ministry outing where we did things like milk cows and stayed overnight with farming families in northern Illinois. That will keep you humble. retired from teaching last spring and will be remembered fondly by countless church leaders for years to come humble indeed this last chapter of peter's letter reminds this community commands these qualities to the early church in asia minor reminding them that they are to live together and work together to build up the community in christ good advice the elders are to serve with wisdom as leaders but not to lord it over them, not to lord it over those in their charge, but to make room for younger generations to grow and to learn and to participate and even to lead. The younger ones are to recognize and respect those ahead of them, but must use the gifts that God has given them to care for the community. I think it's a pretty good model for us too, a reminder for us sometimes to sit down, to be humble, Humility seems hard to come by in our culture. Hard to see in most public figures. Maybe we can think of a few. Uh, Jimmy Carter was one that came to mind for me this week. Uh, He's been in the news lately, imagine that. Uh, We remember in his first term as president, he dealt with high gas prices, inflation, similar to some of those issues we're facing today. But when I think of Jimmy Carter, who was president when I was born, thank you very much, I think of this guy, the servant leader, the one who is out there building houses for Habitat for Humanity and still teaching Sunday school in his church into his 90s. Pretty amazing stuff. It was one of the criticisms that he received in in his political career that he wouldn't promote his successes. Today his faith and dedication and service still lead him to be a humble servant for God. Now, Folks, I have a pretty healthy ego. Uh, My wife will tell you. But but I try not to think too much of myself to let whatever gifts God has given me uh, be used for the sake of the people around me. I think that's healthy. I think that's where we're supposed to be. Because we all have gifts, and we can and should be proud of our accomplishments. We know that every good (laughs) gift we have comes from God. When we are humble, though, we can know that what we have been given is not ours to hoard or to be used to put others down or make them feel lesser, but for the sake of the community. Oh, there's that word again. For the sake of our families, for our neighbors. And maybe then we're on the right track. Peter lifts up this example of Christ who humbled himself, who suffered and died on the cross for the whole world to redeem us. To make us one with him. Peter's letter reminds us that we are still a part of that holy community. Now, what we have is to be shared. How we live is to be for others. And who we are as followers of Christ makes us one body. Not independent, but interdependent. Dependent on one another, belonging to a greater whole. We are to clothe ourselves in humility with one another. We're often tempted to think that, well, we got here on our own, self-made right here. By the sweat of our brow, we pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps and we say those things like we don't. Some people say things like, God helps those who help themselves. Oh, it's not in the Bible, people. Just another, I know you know that. It was a reminder, not in Scripture. Even though it might feel like it at times, you are not alone. Think back on your life for just a minute. Think of the people, all the ones who showed up for you, the ones who taught you, who listened to you, who walked with you, who welcomed you. Maybe there were many and it's hard to number them. Maybe there were just a few and maybe one that really stands out in your mind, but you didn't get here on your own, folks. You belong to a community that exists with you and has welcomed you. Maybe, maybe it's hard to find at times and you can get down about that and feel alone, but the truth is you're not. When we remember where we came from, and everyone here has had to overcome some obstacles in life, right? Things that have humbled us, relationships that have changed us, goals we didn't achieve, or ones we did with help from others that have moved us beyond selfish pride, reminded us that we belong together, made us better. And I hope that's one thing that we've learned from going through a two year plus pandemic. We need each other. The kids were at uh, grandma's house last Sunday night and Ivy was working Monday morning. I was thinking about, whoa, what am I gonna do with this whole day to myself, Monday? My day off, you know? Oh, and then I remembered I needed to make a phone call. Yes, my number was called, and it was my turn. And I showed up at the Regional Justice Center for jury duty. Monday morning on my day off, that's right. Yep. So from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., I lined up with the group, sat and listened to instructions from the judge and the attorneys as the jury selection began. I was there Tuesday morning as well wondering if I would be chosen for the panel uh, of what was expected to be a two-week trial, civil trial, revolving around a, a car accident. So I was planning my week out in my head, trying to figure out how am I going to do this and still get the things done that I need to do, get the kids through to and from school, this busy first week of school, and what would need to be adjusted if I was called to serve in this way. And there were others in the group that huffed and puffed made excuses about that why they couldn't make a fair and impartial decision or they explained their own injuries from car accidents that might prevent them from serving and Tuesday just before lunch they called up the guy that was sitting next to me to be one of the to replace one of the potential jurors that had been dismissed and had they let one more go I would have been next in line but they were happy they got what they needed and they said you all can go home I was off the hook it was a learning experience. I never had to do that before. I never got to have that. And uh, I guess I'll know what to expect for next time. And we can be sure there will be a next time, right? They've got my number now. <laughs> there will be many more chances to serve. So one of the first things I, uh, they did Monday morning after we were corralled into the room and given our parking validation, that's very important, was to swear in the group, right? You swear in all these people to be potential jurors. Anybody here served on a jury before? Yeah. That's one of the first questions they ask you. Have you done this before? Because they're going to make you in charge. They swear everybody in, and you've heard it. It goes something like this. Do you and each of you solemnly swear that you will well and truly try and a true deliverance make between the United States and the defendant at the bar and a true verdict render according to the evidence? So help you, God. God. So help you, God. Wow. Could we possibly think that we could sit there and make this decision all on our own, just with our own reason and experience? Maybe, maybe. But there's something in there, and this comes along from our history as a a nation, of course, but a reminder that everything we do, it's not just ours to do. it's, It's God working in us. So help you, God. We need God's help. What can we do without it? It's the help of God, our chief shepherd, who gives us the crown of glory that never fades, that aids and empowers us in all we do, who knew us before we were born, who opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble, that we serve this God when we serve one another. And all our worries and fears and every anxiety gets handed over to him this humble savior who holds the power of the whole universe in his hands, who defeated death itself for our sake and who loves us no matter what, that cares for us so much and has knit us into one body with all the faithful across the earth so that when one suffers, we might be able to help with God's help. That God has given us all the gifts we need to be used to make a difference in the lives of ones here, and the ones, each one we meet, the lives of the ones he calls us to. So who's your neighbor? It's the first one you see when you leave here. It's the one sitting next to you in these chairs. It's when you go to the grocery store. It's their neighbors on your street. It's the people that live in your home. Yes, all of them. And we have so many opportunities to serve our neighbors, especially Especially in the weeks and months to come, we'll be serving our community with school supplies and, and God's work, our hands, and doing all these service activities. But, but it's also just the little things in your life. It's the work that you do. It's the ways that you show up for one another. You invite someone to come to worship with you. You visit someone who's sick in the hospital or in prison. You do those things that God has given you to do with God's help. This is what we're here for. and We have been given so many gifts from God. The greatest of all, the grace and forgiveness we have in Jesus, whose own life and ministry reflected this humility, this gentleness, service and love for the least among us. He is our Lord who does not lord power over us, but has given us his very life, gives us his own power of grace and mercy so that we might be of service to others. Thanks be to God. Amen.